yo, yo, what up, Salsa Nation? It's your boy Jeff. If you don't know right now, this is the Salsa Conversation. This is episode nine coming to you. And I got some uh, special guests, some Salsa alumni with me. Say what up to the nation. Well, what up, what up, what up? This is Marcus, Team Saucy all day. Yes, sir. Hey, what's going on, nation? This is uh, Uber speaking. I've been conversations. Yes, sir. Queens in the house. Queens always. Yes, sir. The all so. day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always, I'm always mad that Queens don't got like you know Brooklyn got BK. Yeah. You know, Bronx got BX, but Queens don't got anything. Well, they usually say QB though. <laughs> That's true. QB, yeah, yeah, Queensbridge. Queensbridge, yeah. Queensbridge that usually the the spot they go to. That's true. That's true. So um, I want to ask you, uh, fellas, um, with this whole Corona thing going on, how you guys um staying active, keeping your mental health intact? What are y'all guys doing to um stay active and everything? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I'm trying to kind of similar to you, Jeff. You know, I'm also kind of a content creator, so I'm working on just craft. I have my cameras here, I have my laptop here, so I'm like in an editing bay. I'm trying to get better with all of my tools and stuff. So just trying to stay creative, uh, try to stay busy. What about you, Michael? Yeah, same here, man. Just been, um, you know, I've spent more time with family, you know what I'm saying? Spent more time with my family. My pops, you know, he's doing good, a lot better. You know what I'm saying? He never came down with the virus, but he had some like health issues before this. Uh, virus even came through, so I've been spending yeah. a lot of time with him, spending time with my family, my dog, spending more time with him on a daily basis. You know, he loves the attention, so I got to show him some love, man. Just real important, just been, you know, spraying, you know what I'm saying, washing your hands, doing what I've already been doing on a daily basis to begin with, but since it's, like, extra crazy out here these days, you know what I'm saying, it's just been, you know, I've just been taking it on a daily process, you know what I'm saying, doing a lot of praying. You know what I'm saying? Thank God for what we got right now. So it just gives us a better perspective of what's going on, how life is going for us right now. So I've been great. Yeah, yeah I feel you, man. With me, I'm just, you know, just trying to stay creative. Um, I, I took a couple of, like, master classes for, like, podcasts. That's so, yeah, it was this, um, this woman named uh, Steph Taylor. Uh, she started her podcast about, like, Two years ago, got like over like forty five thousand downloads. Mm. No, she she reached number one in in her category. So she does like master classes online. So I did one last night, and it was pretty cool. So I've been doing that just day, um, just trying to get everybody um, opinion, you know, and, and also just you know spending time with family, working, uh, making sure everybody is good. Um, actually, my mother had caught the virus first. Damn. Uh, yeah, she's wow. she's good now. She recovered. Um, my father caught it over last weekend, so my father actually um, he's maintaining. He's doing well. There's there's nothing nothing too serious. He hadn't he didn't have to go to the hospital or nothing like that. But you know this this virus is very real, and it only becomes real when it when it hits you, your loved ones. You know, right. yeah. so don't think don't think that you're out there like oh it can't affect me or it can't affect my family. You know, the virus is not real and all these conspiracy theories. We can say that for later. But as of right now, it doesn't really um, hit home until one of your loved ones have it. So yeah. I just uh, I just want everybody to, you know, 
just do what they ask you, wash your hands, you know, wash your clothes. Um, if you're going to wear rubber gloves, you know, it's, it's more or less a chance for you getting the virus with your with your gloves, um, having gloves on. So, you know, I had seen a couple of people on the, on the train, you know, eating like fast food with their gloves on. Like you've been touching, <laughs> so you've been touching, <laughs> yeah. Like you've been touching like the damn poles and all that, and you eating like McDonald's fries with your gloves on—the same gloves you've been using to hold on poles and all that. Like that? that's that's yeah, that's like total backwards. Like, like come on, man. So yeah, that's what I'm just mainly doing. It's so it's what we call in the streets ass backwards. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's ridiculous. So, what I want to ask you, fellas, the next question is, um, how how the coronavirus has been affecting your relationship or dating life? Oh, who wants to go first on this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, I guess, I guess mine is a little less interesting because, yeah, well, if you look at it, I, I could imagine how this virus is like just testing a lot of relationships. I've been with uh, both my fiance for like seven years now. That's what's going on. Yeah, and um, yeah. just being in the house literally for like a month with no escape, it just <laughs> teaches you. <laughs> I mean, it just teaches you a lot of things about tolerance and about you know like being patient with each other and understanding because you know you can't hang out with your boys, you can't have just like the the breaking up of, of yeah. the time with work and everything else. So it's a test. It's definitely a test, but it, it's it's pretty beneficial. Right. So, so what what do you and your fiance your fiance do to like give like time to yourself? Do you stay in separate rooms, or do you got do yeah, you take a walk? Yeah, yeah. God bless. Uh, we we just moved into a two bedroom, so I got my office, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So that that's been that's been key. <laughs> that separation <laughs> that separation has been like being able to, and we respect each other's spaces. So she does her thing, I do my thing. We're not on top of each other, so. We're fortunate yeah. enough to have that kind of understanding, but I know a lot of people. A lot of people don't. So, right, right. I feel you. Mario, going on this one. Hey, you want me to go? No, I'm gonna say, yeah, you go ahead, brother. You take this because <laughs> <laughs> I already know where this is going. <laughs> well, with me, um, I'm I'm basically single anyway, so it's not really doing much for me. Um, but. I had talked to a lot of a lot of friends, and they saying that they doing this online dating thing. Well, me, I don't trust a motherfucker, you know, because it could be like a like a scam or you know, catfish, something like that. So I'm staying away from the, from the from the online dating. But you know, just going just going to work like from Monday through Friday, and, and you, like you see like a beautiful woman on the train, even with the mask on, you could tell she's beautiful. And then <laughs> they gotta look at each other, and it's like. Damn, should you know? Should I say something to her or not? But everybody just keeping their distance right now, so I I can't just wait for this whole thing to be over. I can just like just go out and try to find me a queen or something like that. Oh well, yeah. I mean, shit. <laughs> now that you said the easy part, I mean, it's it's been a change for me. You know, I recently broke up with my ex girlfriend. You know, before this virus really got real. So um, just you know, I've mostly been chilling, but I've had friends that, of course, mostly female friends that I've been talking to here and there. Um, right. it, it's been 
it's been a it's been a two way street. You know, at one point I have been on the dating sites and just you know talking for women, you know, friendship, not more than less. But you know how mm-hmm. fine they are, and you know you feel the vibe and the chemistry. You want to see them in person, but you know in your mind you can't because what's going on out here. And you don't want to take right. that trip, you know, because you know it could, you don't know what it could lead to. And like you said, you can't trust a shorty, can't trust people out here these days. Trust is a major, mm-hmm. major part of any type of friendship or community or, or relationship. So if you can't even trust her, you know, you're going to traveling, trying to spend time on and God forbid, you know, one of y'all, both of y'all get caught up with something and then it goes left completely. You know what I'm saying? And right. She wants to do something and she want to kick you out and all, you know, so it's all type of different scenarios out here. But on the other end, it's, it can be good because it gives you time to think about yourself and what's your next move and your next progression? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's it's hard to it's big because yeah. in a weird way, this virus that's been out here that people as like all of us have been inside the crib and just been chilling is giving us time to think about. Oh, you know what? Since I'm in the crib, you know, let me let me improve myself. You know what I'm saying? Let me improve my right. mental health. Let me improve my my uh my next like what's what's the next step for me? It gives you chance to prove or not when this thing passes, not just your present, but going to give you a chance to improve your future. Like, yo, what's, what am I going to do when this thing passes? You know what I'm saying? Am I going to chill out? Am I, go back? am I going to go back to the person I was before? Or am I going to be a different person, be a better person? You know, and, and just be, you know, somebody that's evolved, more smarter, make smarter decisions, make better decisions, make more money decisions, save more bread. Right. Just the simple things like that, because unfortunately, you shouldn't have to do that before this virus came through. But now that this has progressed and hopefully the the curve is flattening, this gives you a chance to have yourself grow and do things that you ain't never done out of the ordinary. Like recently, I just started getting to smooth jazz. And now I'm playing it every single day. I'm like, oh, shit, I ain't know I like jazz like that. Now I'm like, Man, right now I'm listening to Duke Ellington and Billy Holiday. I'm some Kenny G. I'm listening to all types of like jazz music now. Now I love it. Now when this thing passes, I want to go yeah. to a jazz for club or a jazz festival. I tell you, man, you got you to get that Cat Calloway in too. Absolutely, exactly. <laughs> gotcha. yeah, I, I was talking. I was, I was talking with my brother, and then he was joking about. You can just imagine how many you know classic albums and, and movies and everything that people are coming up with right now. You know what I mean? To your point, uh, having all of the time to think and, and just reset. You can imagine all of the stuff that people are cooking up right now in their place. Right. Uh, we'll right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think is um, right now it's a, a good thing for everybody. Just get to like know yourself and um, better yourself before um, everything gets better because everybody needs to work on something, you know? Right. Uh, and and those, when those stimulus checks start coming in, yeah, y'all gotta like, you can't go out and buy joints like that anymore. So it's exactly. like you gotta do something. Stock up. You gotta do something positive with your money. You know. You yeah, know. yeah. Word. Everybody, please don't do something stupid <laughs> with your checks. Exactly. That's all, yo. I'm telling you right now. So it's gonna be that one person. So as soon as the shit passes, yo, we out to the strip club, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's that one person, like you ain't listening to the damn thing I said. So okay, cool. We out to the strip club, and you know that stimulus check is gone. And then the next day, you're gonna be like, damn, I should have saved that damn money. Now I'm not sure. Exactly. 
Exactly, because you know, there's the same money you you spending on the stripper. She got the same check that you did. Mm-hmm. Not more. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, not even more. Exactly. So everybody just like when you get your similar checks, just uh, save up, come up with a plan to invest in your future. Try to do something. You know, try if you want to start your own business or you know, whatever you. Whatever your your goal and your dream is, invest those checks into your dream and your goals. Mm-hmm. All right, fellas, let's get to some NFL. Um, Rex Ryan um, said on ESPN that the Patriots' success was because of Tom Brady. Do you fellas agree with that or not? Well, I'm going to start with you on that one. Uh, I'm going first? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so Rex Ryan is a dope. This guy has the biggest mouth of, like, just somebody who's just clearly, like, a beneficiary of somebody who, you know, his father, you know, his family being in the game. Yeah. He's a great defensive mind, I'll give him that. But given his history of what he's done with the Jets, and the quarterbacks he's destroyed. He just has a lot of nerve. I, I think this is, I think this is a little bit of coach on coach hate going on here. Mm. Um, you can't take away the fact that okay, between Brady and Belichick, Brady had some years where he wasn't a Brady that we all know, right? He had some years where they had to rely on Vinatieri and the defense to win the rings. Right. Um, the last Super Bowl. You know, they have to rely on the defense to win that. They barely scored against the Rams. So those kind of games, you can say Belichick carried, kind of carried his, his load. Mm-hmm. And um, Brady also had some great years where he carried everything, everybody on his shoulders. So I, I can't – you can't just say absolutely that it's all Brady. It's both of them. And you can't say that it's Duncan and not and not uh, Popovich or Jordan and not Phil Jackson. Like, it's – it's a tandem for a reason. Right. Yeah, you call it a beneficiary. I call it jealousy. Let's remember, mm. this man only beat Belichick, what, one time in the playoffs? And he had to go through Belichick yeah. pretty much his entire career when he was a former Jets coach. So yeah. this sounds clearly out of jealousy. You know what I'm saying? Rex Ryan, he was successful at that point in time, you know, when he had that he had that defense and that run game, pounding ground, whatever you want to call it. And you had a, let's say, an overrated Mark Sanchez. Where everybody knew he was, he was <laughs> he wasn't that guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is all before the buck fumble, or maybe around that time. But Mark Sanchez, everybody knew Mark Sanchez was going to be that dude. Everybody knew that. And then your jealousy with Belichick is just simply because you were really never able to beat this dude. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not even a Patriots fan. I can admit that Belichick has kicked your ass for years, for decades. You know what I'm saying? He's kicked your ass for decades. Nothing more, nothing less. So you're just speaking out of jealousy. You need to get, he needs to get over it. And you said that he's taken a lot of coaches, a lot of quarterbacks down. I would personally agree with that because even when he was an assistant, remember he was also in Buffalo too. What did he do? Still couldn't right. get through to Belichick. He was in the Jets, couldn't get past mm-hmm. Belichick. He was with the Bills, you couldn't get past Belichick. When you were assistant coaches, and I forgot what team it was, he was assistant coach, and he had to deal with Belichick eventually. You still couldn't get by. So, I honestly, I don't even call it beneficiary. I just call it straight-up jealousy. 
You know what I'm saying? Because I mm. okay, the one time he did Rex Ryan did get past Belichick was what the playoffs. I think it was what oh five oh six when they went to the AFC Championship. Personally, remember. Yeah, yeah. But other yeah. any other time than that, yeah. I you never even you don't even stood a chance. You got played hard. You had your team, got your team fired up, and you still took out. So right now, just my opinion. You know, you sound it just sounds like a bit of jealousy in my point and more on my part. Yeah, for you. You know, Rex Ryan, he just talks a lot yeah. of shit. You know, you always <laughs> need that one person on the network to always just to talk shit, and you don't understand what we talking about. See, you got Rex Ryan for ESPN. You got the whip. You got Jason Whitlock yeah. for Fox Sports, and I can't stand him. I mean, yeah. Lord have mercy. You want to talk about pure negativity. I think you, 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 yeah, ESPN has oh, a Ryan, Ryan He's just an idiot. He's just an idiot. If you look, if you get a chance, yeah. look up all the stupid stuff that he said about YouTube on YouTube, what he said about Giannis, what he said about James Harden, what he said about Shaq and Kobe. I'm looking at him like, this dude, guy, he was on something. He ever, he ever said MJ yeah, wasn't he said a MJ goal. wasn't a goal. He said LeBron was better yeah. than MJ. Yeah. Like, like what? Are you he said Giannis will never, is not the MVP. Harden was the MVP. Giannis will never be the superstar. I'm like, what, 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 what NBA is this dude watching? <laughs> is he watching exactly. the Chinese league something? They don't disrespect the Chinese league, but yeah, what are you watching? Watching the CBA, yeah, you the league, league, you know, watching the um, LeVar Ball league or something. Like, we don't know what you're watching. What is your eyes not seeing exactly. that half the 90, 80% of NBA fans or even non NBA fans? Like, yo, this dude is a beast. And you the only one, like, Giannis ain't that dude. What? Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just hate, I just hate Rex Ryan. I, I think he's a good defensive mind. That's all he's good at, and he's not, a, he's not a good head coach. And you know, Rex Ryan, he, he just like go sit down somewhere, man. It's like you can't, you can't mention Brady without Belichick, and you can't mention Belichick without Brady. True. Period. So you know, I don't think the success, most of the picture success, was because of Tom Brady. It's also Belichick and that. Um, and some his um, knowledge for the game, because this man had two rings before he even joined the Patriots, right. and that was just because of mine with the Giants. Right. For him to do some crazy shit like that, he's like, "This is why Rex Ryan would never win a Super Bowl, or never be a head coach in the league." Right. Well, I, I agree. <laughs> All right. All right. Moving on. Uh, while we're on Tom Brady. Um, Tom Brady says um, on the Houston show that he doesn't see race and he thinks sports transcends race. Is Tom Brady comments accurate? So th- just to be clear, Tom Brady was talking about just just the life in the NFL that he doesn't see race just inside the NFL. So what do you guys think about Oh, that? I want to let it go first on this one. Let me take this one. So I'm going to keep it nice. I'm going to give mm-hmm. it a small – Inaccurate answer because right now Tom Brady that that is very inaccurate. You don't even have to look to the players. You can look at the Rooney rules. What's going on right now? The lack of mm-hmm. African American coaches. The lack of American African American coaches being hired. How many black coaches are in the NFL right now? Mike Tomlin, uh, Anthony Lynn. Um, I'm missing mm-hmm. like, like three, three or four, four out of how many teams in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Three, two. Yeah, um, right. Am I correct? How many teams, NFL teams in the NFL right now? About what, 30? 
We're about 30. About 30. Four out of 30. And you're telling me that you want to say there's not a matter of race? Um, brother, no. <laughs> no, that's inaccurate. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, I don't have to talk about the players. I say the Rooney Rule, how many lack of African-American coaches, how many lack of African-American um, GMs. You assistant, assistant coaches, coaches right? Assistant coaches, coaches, GM coaches, assistant coaches, GMs. head coaches. It's not even a you black owner. Don't have a black owner at all. And if memory serves <laughs> me correctly, has there ever been an NFL black owner that's on an NFL team? No, that's my memory. No. no. So just right off the bat, right there, and then you want to talk about? Okay, duly noted that some of the players have made stupid mistakes based off weed. Based off marijuana, uh, Aaron Hernandez's case was completely different. OJ Simpson, you can go on those cases all you want to. Okay. Now, would I sound crazy if I said if a white person did the same exact thing, they would get that same exact sentence? I don't know. I don't know. I can't give that answer because I don't live that life. But based off what I've seen, that's, in my opinion, what Brady said is a little bit inaccurate. Yeah, um, I think Brady comes off as very sheltered. Mm-hmm. Even even like when you see him, in that's a great point. He just he he just looks like in his world, he believes that there's no racism, and 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 I wouldn't be surprised to him personally. He looks at Antonio Brown. He looks at Aaron Hernandez just like another person, as long as they're right. in the locker room. Um. But, but to your point, I mean, you just look at the – I mean, if you could just take what's been going on with the quarterback position about for the longest, how many black quarterbacks couldn't get a shot. And, you know, you hear all the commentators, you hear all of the coaches and GMs, you know, black quarterbacks can't have to be in the pocket, blah, 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 blah. And then finally Patrick Mahomes breaks through, and now you hear all this talk about, you know, the Jordan loves and, oh, we, everybody needs to find, you know – you know, the Russell Wilson is popping off and Lamar Jackson is popping off. And it's just the, the fight that black people have right. to go through, like you mentioned, in, in the coaching positions and the GM and owners. I mean, even in the quarterback position, you can't say that race doesn't matter in sports, especially in the NFL, because it does. Um, you can even look at the Colin Kaepernick situation. We're only a couple of years removed from that. So, um, very, very, very ignorant, but to Brady's defense, I just think he's just very sheltered, like I said, and lives in a world where race doesn't That's a matter. great point. Jeff? Jeff, get out there. Yeah, 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 I got you, yeah. All right. No, I was no, I was saying that I agree with everybody. Um, I think Tom Brady is his own bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, and Tom Brady is smart. He's not he's not dumb. So I think he actually, you know, how some white people that actually always trying to they see the racism, but they try to they try to like put it in a way that they really don't see it, or it could be something else that we could be overreacting right. or something. So that what Tom Brady reminds me of is like the white people that actually 
you know, is right clear in their face, but, you know, they always try to find an excuse to say, like, oh, no, maybe it could be this. It's not always race, which in some cases is not is really not, but but in his words, like, he, he really doesn't, you know, want to see it, you know, because it, it, it's just an uncomfortable situation to actually talk about race when it comes to, you know, situations like this. But he, he knows there's racism around him, and he just got to, like, just, um, you know, tell the truth and, you know, just be real about it. You know, I think people respect Tom Brady more if we actually be real about it. You know, when the whole cabinet thing was going down, um, I think it was a question asked to Aaron Rodgers. Right. Um, what what do you feel about the whole cabinet thing? And, you know, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers said it. The way he – I'm paraphrasing here. The way he said it was like, well um, – I do agree with Kaepernick is is doing, but at the end of the day, like I'm American and I and I support the troop. It's like, like you know, it's like that's not the the main reason why Kaepernick was taking a knee. You know, what I'm saying he wasn't dis- disrespecting the military and all that. Actually, it was the it was a military person that was actually telling. Kaepernick the right way how to do it if you want to protest. Just take a knee. Because before, right. he was sitting on the bench. Right. So it's just like situations like that is like, you know, when it comes to that, people just don't want to take on the, re- the responsibility and actually talk about these things because it's so uncomfortable. You know, but they have to realize is that when it, when it comes to racism, white people, when it comes to right racism, is like they they benefited from race. You know, they benefited right. from slavery. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, you, you, they always make the they always make the you know the point that oh it wasn't me, that was my ancestors. But yeah, but you benefit from your ancestors. For what my right. people had to go through. So in other words, you have to you have to take responsibility of what your ancestors did. So it it just it just totally blows my mind when when people do something like that. They will try to find another reason to either eat, either not see it, see it in our way, and also try to like undermine it, like it's something that we are overreacting. So you think it's more of denial, basically? Okay, cool. Yeah, pretty much. I can, I can, I can understand that. All right. Um, the Rams, the Rams traded Brandon Cooks to the Texans for a second round pick and a. Fourth and I think a fourth round pick. That's correct. Yeah. So, what do you guys think about um, the trade with Brandon Cooks? Was it a good trade or was it a bad trade? Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't mean to sound negative, but it feels like we've just been talking about a bunch of dopes. Uh, I've said it I've said it before I've said it a number of times I think that Bill O'Brien Hopkins trade is the most idiotic trade since the Gasol trade agreed Um, it's it just the fact that it's not getting more press just like throws me off Um, but I mean, you got rid of basically an all-time great wide receiver 
for for a wide receiver who's probably half as good, and you probably had and you and they gave away their second round pick for him. Right. So I mean, like you look at Cooks. I think over the last two seasons he had with the Rams, he had only two touchdowns. He had two concussions last year, so he's on like shaky ground in regards to that. So it's just, I it's Bill O'Brien is doing like Knicks level GMing right now. <laughs> I feel sorry for Watson, especially after coming so close last year. It's a shame that you know I feel I, I think he's one of the greats right now. So. It's just a shame that he has to be going through this right now. Yeah, you basically traded a top ten, possibly top five, top receiver in the game right now. So possibly whole most likely a Hall of Famer. Trade him to a team that you can learn from one of the goals from Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. You trade him for overrated, overpaid mm-hmm. David Johnson that you're still going to pay off with thirty, forty million dollars. You already have him with Carlos Hyde yeah, in the backfield right. and Lamar Miller was coming back from injury. And you also traded, and you also did all that, and then you receive and trade for a guy who's had multiple concussions in the past two years, and then he has touchdowns. Great job. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> you traded for a guy <laughs> that has more concussions than touchdowns. He has as much right. touchdowns as he has. Right. Like, <laughs> and this is not to disrespect Brandon Cuss, because he's, he can, when he's healthy, he can ball. But he's not, he's not a, he damn sure not Hopkins. He's not a top five. He might not even be top 15. Hell, I'd say he might not even be top 20. But this is not the play home disrespect him, but he, he just he's just not that dude. He's falling off due to concussions. So you basically traded for – you traded your top 10, top five receiver with the overrated, overrated quarterback that you're going to have to play and overpay with a guy who has had more concussions than touchdowns. That sounds like – James Dolan type of shit. That's what it. That's what it sounds. That's what it sounds like to me. This yeah. sounds like a New York Knicks trade for overrated, overpaid players. And if anybody knows about the Knicks, you can ask me because I'm a struggling, suffering ass Knicks fan. This is a James Dolan type trade that you would like. You would trade for Jerome James and give him like eighty five million dollars. Was like the one of the worst things. Yes, I just gave everybody a flashback. Yes, I said Jerome James. A uh, Jerome James <laughs> had $80-85 million for four years, and he was traded that same damn year. That's the type of thing that this is going on right now. Okay, this is it's a bad trade, and it shows how bad. How not only are you making worse moves, and this is all before the draft, because we don't know what the hell he's going to do for the draft right now. Right now, it sounds like he's about to make an all-time bad move now, there are a whole lot of great receivers or a whole lot of great players in their draft this year. This is probably from what I've been, what I've seen, the deepest wide receiver class in 10 years. But the way that Bill O'Brien is going, he's about yep. to make some bad moves. And it seems like these bad moves aren't going to come because, like you just said, what is this going to do for Deshaun Watson? In his mind, he's like, you just traded away my, my, my go-to receiver. For David Johnson, so you telling me you want me to run the ball more? Okay, you already have problems with your offensive line. You already have problems with JJ Watt staying healthy. You let go of Tyron Matthew, who went to the Kansas City, won a damn Super Bowl. That just shows your ineptitude to know what the hell you're doing. And now you just traded for a guy with more concussions and touchdowns. What do you? What is next? 
that's that. In my opinion, I'm, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm like, I may have to get the hell out of here. I'm going to have to ask for a trade. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. Um, I think I think um, ownerships to step in and actually demote uh, Bill O'Brien from GM because he thinks he's Belichick, but you're really not. And these stupid trades that you're making is actually proving the right. So I think Bill O'Brien needs to step down from the GM, just focus on being a coach, and just try to do the best you can this upcoming season because you you really going to need good luck. No, but do you think they're not really going to do that? You know what I'm saying? If, if NFL would step in and ask them to step down, they're not going to do that. And once the NFL do that, you know the NBA is next. And you know who the first person they're going to look for not in the NBA. They're going to look straight at James Dolan, and you know not that going to happen. The owner. Oh, don't mean the owner. Somebody, yeah, that may be true, but, you know. The owner needs to step in and say, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Like you're gonna trade for Brandon Cooks and actually trade Hawkins. It's like this is not your track record. That question should have been asked the minute you even thought about trading Hopkins. All because of oh some baby mama drama. All, what what well for first of all, what person man's personal life has anything to do with the hell he's producing on the football field? And why are you so worried about a man's personal life? No rather than what he's done for you for your team and possibly save your ass and your job multiple times the last couple of seasons. What Bill O'Brien is doing, he's digging a hole. And if if ownership right. was smart, let this man dig himself in a hole as he already did. So you think David Johnson and Brendan Cooks is only gonna stop gonna like like fill up fill the hole of trading of uh DeAndre Hopkins? I don't think so. So let him dig a hole for himself. You still got to fix that O-line, like you said. Your defense needs to be fixed. And let this man dig a hole for himself. Like, this is the reasons why we find you, Bill O'Brien, because this is what you did. Your offensive line ain't good. Mm-hmm. Your defense ain't that good. You, you, you traded a top-five receiver. It only got nothing for it. Got Pretty peanuts much. for him. And we in a situation we in right now because of you. And if this shit keep on going, Deshaun Watson is going to leave. I, I mean, I, it's just, it's just a, to me, it's a fireable offense. This is like like fantasy league level guys would, would laugh if you, somebody, if you offered a trade, uh, you know, David Johnson and whatever for, for, uh, for, for Hopkins. I mean, fantasy, fantasy general managers wouldn't make that trade. The fact that a guy on a professional level was able to do something so ridiculous and, and still have a have his dual positions as, as coach and general managers. That's crazy to me. It's just, yeah, it's just, I, I agree with that. Like, you know what? And one word that you can call this right now, the way Bill Bryan is going right now, fire sale. That's what we call it, fire sale. But, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Fire sale because yeah. you traded away your best offensive weapon not named Deshaun Watson. You have no offensive line. And we haven't even talked about J.J. Watt. Okay, um, you traded this dude for these people. You know, you can't sit around and tell me J.J. Watt ain't even having thoughts. So, you know what? I understand I haven't produced lately because of my injuries. But at the same time, this dude gave us a chance to at least not, not just go to playoffs, but at least go far, at least toward the AFC Championship. 
and you selling him for what? For a personal beef? For your pettiness? There's no point in time right now he can have in his head that, right. you know what, maybe I should ask for a damn trade too. True. True that. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, there's a Chicago Bulls documentary oh, yeah. coming on ESPN on oh, yeah. uh, April 19th. Um, question to the panel. You guys oh, thought about so this excited. or not? I'm I'm not wasting no time with it. I'm getting it out of the way. I'm glad you brought this up. I, I can't wait. I'm gonna get my popcorn ready. I'm getting my popcorn ready. I'm getting my liquor ready. If I have to, if I have to send somebody to get the liquor for me, that's what's gonna have to do. Cause I I can't wait for this documentary. So we can put all this crap to bed of who is the goat of all time. It's not even a discussion. It shouldn't have to be talked about. But I do want to know. I, I do have some questions about some of the role plays because everybody who does not know who are true NBA fans about Scottie Pippen. Now, my question is, okay, was Scottie really that good on the court? Was Scottie, Scottie was always good on the court, but my question is, was he really, really that guy? You know what I'm saying? Because there have been a couple of things I heard Scottie was jealous of Michael because of his popularity. Now, remember, he shouldn't be because remember that year when Michael – we don't know why to this day thought about going to play baseball and you said what happened there. Scotty was the man that year. Scotty was dominating that year. Sure. He was also MVP. He was, also MVP. He was dominant that year. Okay. Took the team mm-hmm. to the playoffs, even though he mm-hmm. didn't get to the finals, but also showed, okay, you let you tried to lead the team and you didn't get there. Then Mike came back, what happened? Yeah, I had another three feet. So that shows you that Scotty, as good as he was, he wasn't Michael. He couldn't be that dude. He was that dude for one year. I got questions about Scotty though. But overall, I damn sure want to see this document. So mm-hmm. I know LeBron going to be watching. I know we all going to be watching. Because ain't right now, let's be honest, ain't nothing else to watch damn watch. <laughs> but we going to put this to bed that this I want to – I definitely looking forward to this. I want to see the GOAT. I want to hear all the true stories and the backstories. No no BS. I, I, can't, I ain't going to hold y'all. I can't wait. Oh. Nope. Yeah, this is this is this is pretty much the Super Bowl. This is the final. <laughs> this is all we have left. Um, to, to to your point, to your point with um, with Pippen, I, I always I'll never forget they had that one game right. where Kukoc took the game winner, and it was a close game, and Pippen refused to play when Phil Jackson threw play for Kukoc, and Kukoc ended up hitting that game and winning the game winner, and. So there's been moments in, in Pippen's history where, you know, oh, he had a headache to right. play a, a playoff game or et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how deep this documentary goes. Um, I mean, just as a filmmaker myself, like an aspiring filmmaker, I, I've read into this documentary. And you can just imagine how this, this the director himself, Jason here. Yeah, he did. Is, he, I think he did the That was a great documentary, too. Um, yeah, so he did that, which is pretty good. Um, but you can imagine how it is for him to come out with this documentary that took him years right. to clear because Jordan didn't want to put it put it on for the right. longest. But um, I'm glad that we have it out now because, like you said, Marcus, a lot of people have forgotten about Jordan and his greatness, and this will be a reminder. Um, we have, I think I read, like, he used five editing rooms. He has 32 terabytes of footage on Jordan and the Bulls. Like, what I would give to have that access to that to that footage. Um, 
But yeah, ten hours. I have a question for you before you talk, Jeff. It, was this this whole documentary through the first repeat or the second repeat, or you don't know? They 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 said that it it's starting it, it's focusing on the last okay okay, um, cool. okay quest for number six. So, um, but they're going to shoot back to the prior years, but the main gotcha. focus okay. is on nineteen ninety six. Right. Yeah. So I I'm excited. I'm, I grew up a big Michael Jordan fan, Chicago Bulls fan in the nineties. Um. I really like what Marcus touched on before. I really want to know what went through. Um, what was going on in the locker room when Mike actually left to go play baseball? I want I want to know every single detail what was going on. Was it any um um was it any did anybody have any idea of bringing Mike back or I want to know what was going on behind the scenes before he came back in '95 for the last games and into the play- playoffs when it was the last um when they lost to the Orlando Magic in '95. So I really want to know what was going on during that time. I, I, I saw something, I think it was a, like one of them old like documentaries of Chicago Bulls. And um I think no, I think it was Mike with Mike. It was an old episode with Mike. And he was talking about how he was watching um mm-hmm. that playoff series with the Knicks. Um and he looked he was uh, analyzing a team that was um playing the Knicks and he felt so bad because all the all the um the Chicago Bulls were missing was him because they, they couldn't get over that hump. So that's what actually made him want to come back in ninety five. Was that playoff series right there. So I wanna know what was going on really behind the scenes. I wanna know a lot about Dennis Rodman. I'm a big Dennis Rodman fan. And what was the idea of bringing him in you know, and I want to know mm-hmm. like, like Tony Kukos or how they, how Mike and uh, Scotty actually yeah. destroyed them in a in the Olympics, <laughs> and what was, oh, what was his mindset going into the the ninety five ninety six season when Mike was coming back and everything, actually joining the Bulls because um, Mike and Scotty was actually um, didn't like the idea of Tony Kukos coming in and the owner being so high of Tony Kukos. So yeah, I just want to know. Oh, also, the last year when they won the championship, what ninety eight? Um, why, why everybody didn't want to come back for the season? Because I think, I think Mike, I, I think Mike had right. at least two more years left, you know, as being dominant, you know. So I want to know why nobody really wanted, why everybody wanted to break it off in ninety eight? Because I felt like, especially that that lockout season in ninety nine. When the damn Spurs won, I definitely think the Bulls. I agree with that. Not only that, not only that, this also gives the kids, Mm -hmm. these young kids, sit their ass down and watch the greatest because they keep thinking about LeBron's the greatest. And obviously, some of these kids that were born, they have not seen Jordan play one on one. We ain't talking about the 2003 version when he was at Washington. No, we ain't talking about that. No, no, no. We talking about when he was in his prime, even thirty five years old, people left and right. You know what I'm saying? And we had to play with hand checks. You ain't got to worry with about hand checks. Exactly. Exactly. Worry about no, no. When when we talking about flagrant foul in the nineties, it was a flagrant foul. Okay, 
It was some elbows, three and pull. There was some yeah, elbows, some body shots. Line. Getting three. <laughs> it, it was crazy. You really have Pretty to do much, a dodo yeah. move to get a Pretty much. and figure it out. That's like, why I said it. <laughs> yeah. And, and to your point, Jeff, it's just Jordan, more than any other athlete, I think, has so many stories that hasn't been answered yet. Like you, you mentioned some of them, the Kukoc. Oh, yeah. The story of him punching Steve Kerr in the face during practice. There's a... There's a, the dream team, you know, the, the, the dream team between him and yeah. Isaiah Thomas and who can make the team or not. Um, the gambling, the stuff with his father. I mean, there's just so much that hopefully this documentary can answer. I mean, you could take us behind the scenes as well as what was happening on the court. But um, um, it, this, is, this is literally one of the most uh, anticipated kind of films yeah, not only is it going to come on ESPN, it's going to be on Netflix. So I think it's going to be the most watched documentary in a very, very long time. Yeah. Well, 100%. All right, fellas. Uh, moving on, UFC um, has canceled the event. Um, what do you guys uh, think about Dana White canceling uh, the UFC event? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put on my <laughs> cap. Uh, I think there's some shit going on here, man. Right. I think there's some shit going on here, buddy. Um, Dana, I mean, kudos to him for trying, but uh, I, what the, the event was moved from Barkley to um, to uh, Tribal Land, right? Yeah, it's his private private island. Yeah, so he was. He was trying to make. He was trying to bring it to a place where California and the U.S. couldn't make money as much money exactly. as they wanted from. And I just think you. I mean, the the reports say that Disney got at him, ESPN got at him, the California governor got at him, and told him to shut yeah. it down. Um, I just think that Dana was looking to set a precedent that the powers that be was very, very, very afraid of. If 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 he pulled this off. And I mean, it was possible for him. You, you know, you if, if and if he pulled this off successfully, I think you would see the NBA and potentially the football and, and, and baseball follow suit um, if the coronavirus continues on in the next couple of months. And, and the U.S. does not want that. I mean, you don't want these major companies and these major federations taking their your pride and possessions, you know, going outside of the U.S. Uh, first of out. all, you got to be one hell of a G to talk about, you know what, fuck this, we're going to go to an island and have a fight. <laughs> you got to be one hell of a, you got to be loaded, you got to be beyond billions, time on a cable spectrum type loaded to take your ass, you know what, I want to have a fight on a, on a private island that I bought. I respect that. You know what I'm saying? I can respect that. I respect the G. I respect that's, that. That's, exactly. that's some gangster shit. That's I, some Charlie Shiano shit. I got respect for Dana White. He's like, you know what, damn it. I got <laughs> I, I won't take my people to a damn island. I want to have this fight. Nevertheless, standing, this was still a good right. decision. Okay? You last thing you need to hear is somebody beating the crap out of each other, <laughs> losing the championship, or and then their life. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to hear it, and most likely we don't want to see it because then it can turn to lawsuits, then it can turn to loss. You don't need that. 
You know what I'm saying? And unfortunately, I don't know if it's supposed to be Khabib and Fer- Ferguson on this fight. And if memory serves me correctly, this will this not be like the fifth time this fight has been canceled? The fourth or fifth time this fight has been canceled? And that's a sign. If this wasn't happening the first yeah. four times and the fifth time wasn't going to happen with this virus, I don't think this fight will ever happen. And I'm a huge fan of Khabib. But it seems like these two may not ever cross. It's going to be like what we see in boxing. We're not going to see the, the big heavyweight fights that we want to see. We're not going to see the Wilder and Joshua. We're not going to see maybe the Wilder, the Fury Joshua. We're not going to see these type of fights. It's just sometimes it's just you asking the question like, what would happen if Kobe and Jordan met in the finals or Kobe and LeBron met in the finals? We knew what would happen. We knew what would happen only in people's opinions. When it comes to fight like Khabib and Ferguson – and it's been hasn't happened to fit five times, it's not going to happen. But to answer your question, it's a great decision because you're not just looking out for yourself, you're looking out for the people with fire's health. Because remember, these people have families. You know what I'm saying? They need to feed. We understand that. People got to eat. People got bills to pay. We understand that. We're, we're just as much as you guys. Or we're just as much as you guys with that, except the fact that we're not whooping people's ass and training all damn day. And they'll make millions of hundreds, five, six hundred K just whooping somebody's ass. No. We're still regular people who still got lives, still got bills and they still have families. We have families as well. So at the end of the day, you Dana White in my opinion made a great decision. He made a great decision not to have this fight and postpone it until everything has passed and the curve has flattened. The last thing you need is somebody dying on national T V and losing their life days after they had a fight. You know, when when it comes to this um, topic, you know, something actually um, is bothering me about this topic. And, you know, it's it's, it's UFC, you know what I'm saying? But I I get the whole thing about people losing their life and all that stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's kind of a good idea. I think it's a good idea. You know, I, I think Dana White was was making a desperate decision to try to get this this um, event. And I don't, I you know, watching WWE and all that, how they be able to like, you know, do shows and all that. I think UFC is actually in that field; they can actually pull this thing off because you have the you have the sponsors, you, you have you have the uh, production. We have all of that, so I don't think um, it was a bad idea for him to try to, you know, make this event to go on. I did think that the people that would actually heard of this event that he was gonna rent his old private island to do it. I think that's what they <laughs> yeah. hear. Yeah, coming. it's like when this dude get an island, bro. When this dude get an island? Exactly, exactly. I, yeah. and, when, and like, what does he mean by powers to be? You know, like what are you? Because I know you close friends with the president, you know, and he has actually said that he's not going to say bad things about the president because you know they're good friends and all that. I mean, what do you mean by possible being? Did you have a conversation with Donald Trump about this? You know, and how you know the other powers to be might not like the decision of you actually having your island to do your own uh, event at? Like, what is the hitter? Like, who is hating on Dana White right now? That's the big question is because yeah, he could have pulled this off, but it's still very risky. Opinion. You know what I'm saying? That's taking a big risk. 
I'm saying it's you're not thinking. You could think about you know the the desperateness, and like you said, it is it is a desperate move because maybe the USC just like the NBA is going to lose checks, players going to lose checks, NFL players they are lucky because they're not doing they're not having this around this time, but just like NBA players about to lose their checks, there are going to be some people in UFC that are losing checks right now, and not getting paid because of the simple fact they have not fought in quite some time, and you include that virus, Dana White possibly did this because he might be losing a little bit of money. And it's a desperate move. What I call him desperate? No, not, not, not so much. I just think it's a desperate move, but it's also a major risk. God forbid something would happen. And it's not to speak into existence. It just seems like it's too much of a risky move. That's why he probably backed off of it. You remember the TV show? Um, Ultimate Fighter? What, what, the UFC show that used to have okay. like people... Ultimate Fighter. He could have held it like that. Oh, uh, yeah. Why not? You, you, I mean, you have WrestleMania, you have the damn performance center. You could have had that one of no. Well, you, you know, those, those shows were whatever the, the damn TV for, show is. For, what is it? For like probably weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? Two weeks in advance. Those. No. What, what I'm yeah, saying is, sure. he could have had it sure. in a certain environment like that. Instead of actually flying there over to a private island. But he could have said that the, the same event. You had WrestleMania at the damn performance center. You could have had the, the next UFC event going on at one of the Ultimate Fighter games He could have pulled that off. I think, I, I think, yeah, I think the Rick's, the Rick's factor definitely plays a point, but I just, I believe that it's more, more about the money. I think that the powers that be are a bit, afraid of the notion of these big businesses. I mean, if you look at the, you mentioned the WWE, Correct. they're able to perform in, where is their performance yeah. center in Florida, right? Um, so as long as you stay domestic, I'm sure that they wouldn't have a problem with you doing that. But if you start taking shows and events outside of the U.S. and making money outside of there, I think they have an issue with that. Everybody, I think everybody's trying to eat off of that. You not go to a private island, you know, yeah. Doing your own event, you gotta actually, you know, do it here in the US. So we all can make some money. That's the way I see As it. As I said before, you can't make money when you're all six right. feet deep. All right. All right, fellas, moving on. Um, mm-hmm. If the NBA resumes, uh, does your, your pick change? Of who's going to win the NBA mm. title? Oh, you know what? That's a great question. And I've thought about this for a while now. And. But I start with this. Who you had winning before the coronavirus came, and does your decision still change? No, my decision has not changed. But we got to put in a couple of factors into this. Okay, my first of all, to ask that first, answer the first question, my first question answer was the Clippers. I still think, and we had this discussion around Christmas time, around the holiday season, <laughs> I still thought that the, Chris, that the Clippers were still going to be oh, yeah. the Lakers before this virus came through. Now, my decision has not changed, but I have caution about it because we don't know what the one – the NBA season and playoffs will start or if it does resume, we don't know if these players are going to be in shape. 
We don't know what they've been doing since they've been off. We don't know if most of them been training. Some have, some have, but we don't know. And plus, you can't just expect the players to get back on the court when NBA resumes. Just act like I can just run up and down up the court, shoot, jump, rebound, play D, and all this. It's going to take time. You know what I'm saying? So, to answer your question, I I, I still have my my vote for the Clippers is the team I I chose when the season even started, and that hasn't changed. But it, I've been a little bit cautious toward the fact that. We don't know what we're getting into when these when this stuff resumes. You know what I'm saying? I did have thoughts of possibly maybe the Raptors back in the finals, possibly the Bucks, um, winning the title. But those are the only two teams that I'll see. I didn't even mention the Lakers because I something about the Lakers playoff time. As much as I know, I'm gonna get backlash out for this and cost one LeBron fans. Yes. Exactly, it's gonna be a hot take. I I just can't see LeBron beating Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in a seven game series. I just can't do it. Y'all yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it, I I kind of agree with you. I I think this season has been a three team race. Um even before the virus thing, two teams, if you look at it, it's between the Bucks, the Clippers, and the Lakers. Um, I think there's going to be an easy road for the Bucks to get to the finals. Um, and I don't think things have changed between the toss-up between the Clippers and the Lakers. Um, it was heading towards – I think it was heading – we were heading towards a great Western Conference kind of matchup because the Lakers are playing really, really well. The Clippers are finally getting their guys together and getting some chemistry on the court. Um, the only one way that I would be like if my pick would drastically change is kind of this weird outside shot, but if, if the Warriors were actually playing and staying around the eighth seed and then the time off that we have now bought, let's say, Clay Thompson enough time to come back, um, and then maybe the NBA gives them like a, a couple of weeks to of uh, the last game of the season, and then the Warriors get in with Steph, Clay, and in, in, in a Draymond. Um, then maybe that's kind of your outside shot. Um, but I think if you ask me if he's pulled my feet to the fire, I had the Clippers winning before, and I have the Clippers winning now. Uh, for me, um, I had the Lakers winning the title. Um, before the Corona era kicked in, um, I still have the Lakers winning after the Corona is over. Um, I think the Lakers have enough um, to actually uh, beat the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, but also um, they get. I have Milwaukee, um, the team coming out the East, so I actually think they could actually. Uh, beat Milwaukee in the finals. And as long as, as LeBron James did what he actually did the last time he played the Clippers, if he does that, I think they could get past the Clippers, go to the finals, and actually beat Giannis. See, this is, this is where I disagree. Immediately, bro. Because I, I, <laughs> I knew it was coming. You, you know I'm going to disagree with that. I knew that was bro, coming. Bro. We talked about this before. And I'm gonna say it again. 
The one thing the Lakers have that the Clippers have that the Lakers do not have is a bench. You have dogs, okay? The only two dogs Lakers have really is Bron and AD. You got those two are dogs, okay? I don't want to hear about the Caruso, the Caldwell Pubs, the Kuzma. I didn't say that. Comfortably on those guys. I, I, did, I didn't say that. However, you talk about dogs, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris Senior, uh, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell. That's five I just named right off the bench. And I even going deeper into their rotations, who they got even deeper, okay? And I even mentioned they started five. Okay, they their team is a problem, all right. And I even mentioned Pat Bev. Because every single game I guarantee you they're going to find a way to match up one LeBron. One, one possession is going to be Pat Bev. Another possession is going to be cool. Okay, that's one and what game. happened to him last game. He Granted, found out. It's one game. But if memory serves me correct, wasn't the Clippers up 2-1 to one in this whole series? And they still had another game to play? And then we know every single man, every single game, yeah. they're going to put two, maybe three, maybe four different players on LeBron. One's going to be Marcus Morris. Probably another one's going to be you know he's going to pat Bev. He's going to do every, as much as he possibly can. He's going to talk that trash. He's going to get inside of your head. He's going to be irritant as hell. And he's going to get on bronze on bronze nerve. Then I even mentioned Paul George. Then you got Kawhi. Maybe a Lou Williams. Maybe a Red. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to have different matchups for Bron every single possession. They're going to match up in the zone. Maybe they're going to do a, a boxing one. Every, they're going to have so many possessions for him that they're not going to be ready for it. Now, I'm not saying Bron ain't able to come back uh, on it, but when you have that many dogs and you don't have that many dogs on your squad, that presents a problem. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I, right, I one thing. I think. Jump on go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, go like, ahead. If you just look at the dog factor, if you look at the, the coaching uh, advantage that the Clippers have, thank um, you. The Doc Rivers and, and uh, you know, and his staff. Tyloo. Ty Lu, um, Ty Lu's probably feeding him all the information on LeBron right now. Um, exactly. But just the Clippers, I like teams that have those kind of like, in addition to being dogs, you look at a player like Igadawa, like they're not going to fill up the stat sheet, but they're going to make those one or two plays at the last minute, the last two minutes of the game to save a game or to, to help you win a game. The strip or a block or a rebound. And the Clippers are just loaded with those type of players. And I believe if Kawhi brings his game, if Paul brings his like, you know, they don't even have to bring an A-plus game. I think if they bring an A game, if Lou comes, LeBron and AD have to play A-plus games to beat the Clippers. And um, I, just think, I just think the Clippers just have to play their game to beat the Lakers. Oh, well, well, I think the Clippers the Clippers have a good squad. Um they made all these trades during like the midseason. And I and I and I think um the Clippers have too much talent. And just because they have a Morris and a Reggie Jackson, they could put five guys on LeBron. One on one they can't stop LeBron. He proved that the last game. None of them can stop LeBron. Once he drive the hoop now, if LeBron is is taking yeah, you know you threes all goddamn day, like of course. But if he if if he if he actually attacking the basket, like everybody wants him and have that 
uh, aggressive Mamba mentality like he had the last game, I don't think the Clippers could actually stop him. Now, when you actually see them around doing that, that opens up everything for everybody else. Then you want to double team, right? Then you got to stop AD. If you if you double team on AD, then you got to stop the three point shooters. They turn around AD and um, LeBron with, and that, and that, and that proved it the last game. So I just think the Clippers have too much talent. Um, and the the only key in that series of the West Conference Finals, what I have the Clippers and the Lakers in, the only key is LeBron James. You cannot take step back threes. Well, and he has to make his free you throws too. But you know he can't make free throws. So I'm, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? You know that man can't make free throws. I like how you slid that in there. Yeah, you know I got to, man. Any chance I get a chance to get on bronze. Like, look, man, you can't make free throws, man. I'm just saying. I, I just, you, can't, this is, you can't call yourself a goal if you can't yeah, make free throws. That's, that's true. All I got to say. That's true. I, this, is, this is the Raptors all over again. Like, sure. Last year, people were sleeping on the Raptors. People were like, Giannis, Giannis, Giannis. Kawhi went up and they shut Giannis down. I think when you get when you get into playoff basketball, LeBron was killing the regular season, and it's easy to do that when you're one of those top ten, top five talents. But when it comes to playoff basketball, um, I just think they're going to shut him down. I think they're going to make life a living hell for him. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you're going to see the Quinn Cooks and the and the Avery Badleys and those guys start to get exposed. I don't want to hear no more excuses. I'm going to get on the Clippers, too. I don't want to hear no excuses about no damn load management. I don't want to hear that. Nope. <laughs> nope. Y'all got time now. Y'all have all the time in the world. Get healthy. I agree. I agree. You staying in the house. Or if you're working now, okay, work light. You know what I'm saying? Work out to your ability. I don't want to hear about no damn load management. I don't want to hear about no taking no game. Y'all ain't got no excuses now. Y'all got all the time off. Everybody has time off. Hey, what's the excuse now? Yep. Oh, I got hurt. I fell off the kitchen. No, 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 no. We don't want to hear that. That's that why John Wall shit. Exactly. That's why, that's why y'all for chefs. That's why y'all for chefs. That's why y'all pay for all these that's... tanks y'all be getting, the hyperbolic type tanks. Damn it. We don't want no more. We don't want to hear no excuses on either side. I don't want to hear no excuses about LeBron. I say, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to hear about Kawhi's knee. Oh, he still got that patch on his leg. I don't want to hear about poor George. He tired. I don't want to hear nothing. I just want to hear, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Agreed. All right, fellas. Uh, moving on. WrestleMania recap. Talk about it. Um, it. There were some good matches on the card. There was some Say it. other matches. It was like, what the fuck was Say this? Um, let's, let's start with... Uh, Daniel Bryan uh, versus Sammy Zayn for the IC title. What do you guys thoughts on that one? Actually, uh, Sammy Zayn won. Good match. So, what do you guys well, think about the match overall? You know, I, I don't like the fact that you know the IC title is so prestigious in WrestleMania history that has been, even when they made the change of the title, which I like the new title, but. That the old title the, the, is so prestigious that I don't think I think that's the one title that should never have been changed. I would like if you said about the U.S. title, I'll say, "Oh yeah, that title needs to be changed." But you don't need to change the IC title. But the match I think should have yeah. went just maybe a little about two, three, four minutes long. But I still think it's the right decision. I think down the line at least something bigger. The match was okay, pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I Ooh. wish they would have got a little bit more time, but I understand. I understood the booking. Right. Um, I understand where they're going with this storyline. Um, I kind of wish that uh, I want to see what Cesaro and Sammy and his, his crew and Shinsuke's is. I want to see kind of like the long-term goal. If WWE is even capable of that these days, but um, I want to see if they're able to build to something bigger that Daniel Bryan is eventually going to have to take down with Gulak's help. But yeah, it's it's sufficient. I thought if I was to give it a grade, I'd probably give it like a B or C. Right. Um, um, was I thought Sam Zayn was going to win anyway because uh, they just put the title on him. So, um, yeah, I, I saw Sam Zayn winning from um, a mile away on that one. It was a it was a good match overall out of one out of ten. I'll give it like a seven or eight in my opinion. But you, you, it was you a just good know match. that these two were capable of like a five star uh, match. Yeah, this is what I one. I hate about the WWE the way that they tell their wrestlers to to wrestle. Yeah. Exactly. All right, next match, um, Alyssa Black versus Bible Lashley. Um, Alyssa Black won. Um, we saw Lana actually was telling Bobby Lashley what to do in a damn match. And because of that, the result, he got uh, kicked in the face. <laughs> so, uh, Alyssa Black won that match. What do you guys want the match overall? Ballister Black matches are what they are. It's kind of like math the same. You know, he gets in, starts hot, he gets beat up, and then he comes back out of nowhere. His kick, is, I mean, his move is one of the best moves out right now. I mean, he lands it very, very well. Um, but uh, you can tell they're planning to see the kind of splitting body lashley up with Lana. So, hey, it was okay. It was all right. It was cool. Like I said, I didn't really care for it because I forgot it was really on the card. So, uh, <laughs> I really forgot about the cards. I was like, oh, yeah, he's wrestling. <laughs> so, you know, I expected him to win and got the job done. It was didn't need to be long. It was short, and that's what it was. I think it was a good match. Um, it was okay. I didn't I didn't really like the ending, the way it ended. Um, I think – I thought Alistair Black was going to win anyway. Um, I think he's he's a very good talent, and I think he uh, I think they they pushing him slowly uh, on the way to the top. But uh, I think the matches that's not a I, I didn't see him in a WrestleMania match with Bible Ashley. I thought he could have had somebody uh, a little more uh, with a with a bigger name that actually fits his um, actual style. But it was a good match overall. Uh, moving on, um, let's go to the Raw Tag Team titles. Uh, you had the Street Profits versus Angel Garza. Uh, his and name is uh, Austin Theory. NXT, whatever his name is. What's the respect yeah, on that whatever. man's name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Street respect on that man's name, Damn. <laughs> the Street Profits won. Um, Pretty good. You guys no, it's, the overall it's okay. Match? Uh, it went longer than expected, but it was okay. You know what I'm saying? Monte, I'm trying to tell you, Montez Ford be on like a thousand. Man. I ain't seen energy like from him from in a long time, man. But he's he has what it takes to be a 
on when on when they, he does become a uh, single star, he's he's gonna be that dude, man. He might be that dude in the future, but overall, it's a good good match. Give it about a five. Yeah. I I I I, I took five out of ten. Five. You said a five out of ten. Okay. Um, I totally agree with you when it comes to Montez. I think he's eventually going to pop off. But this match gets my trash of the night. Um, oh, sh- this, said this win. <laughs> this win. <laughs> um, to claim the trash of the night award. Um, this is this. I mean, Angel Garza and Austin. Uh, what the hell is the Austin theory like? It. This match had no place on a on a WrestleMania card. Exactly. I mean, it, why? I mean, to explain <laughs> the why, the how, the what, it makes no sense. Um, I just, I can struggle to put together two or three words to, to, to put together on this match. I just don't care for it at all. Um, the Street Profits, they're kind of getting a little stale with me. Um, I want to see them kind of get into a feud rather than just facing random tag teams and doing their thing and whatever. But, yeah. Um, I didn't like the match. I think the best, best part of the match know, was Bianca Belair when I was fine. So that's about it. One, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I already told you. I, got, I told you. Hey, man, every, I show feel, <laughs> every show is a different one. I got a feeling. Every show is different. I got a feeling. Hey, man. Uh, Speaking of Charlotte uh, My other wife uh, Versus uh, Ripley What do you guys think about that match Uh, Actually Charlotte won a match That was a good damn Uh, match Uh, I I give that from a a 10 standpoint I give it a good I'm going to give that a 9 A lot of physicality You know a lot of good spots If if so felt realistic as it should be. Now we know pro wrestling reels almost verbatim, so to speak. You can't use those two words and you know <laughs> in the truth, but it felt realistic and they they went off. They they beat the hell out of each other. It was physical. It was a one of the probably the more physical matches on the whole card mm-hmm. that night. And I approve I really wanted Ripley to win so she can establish her stardom and improve in this match even in her loss. But I mean, go. I guess going with Charlotte, going back to NXT and challenging the new crave, new crop of women superstars down there. Uh, it's a good move. So yeah, I, I hate it to finish, um, but I, I totally agree with everything you said about the match. Um, I think uh, yeah, I, this is one of the matches where I was just thinking to myself, like, man, I wish this was in front of. In front of a live crowd, um, yeah, I I kind of low key just love Charlotte matches. Like I will put her matches up. I know it's not good to say, but I will put her matches up with any male match up there. I think her physique, her um, her ability in the ring. I think she's gold when it comes to in ring action. Um and. Uh, I think Rhea Ripley needed a little bit of a stronger out, I think, for her to just to tap out the way she did. You may have hurt her character, but 
again, like what was said, I know we have a bigger plan of kind of boosting NXT, um, and so that's what Charlotte Flair is supposed to do, so we'll see how they carry that out. Look, man, you can't be hanging on these boodles on here. You got one. You said Charlotte was your You can't have the the white and the black. You can't be be the Oreo in the middle, brother. You can't have the Oreo in the middle, brother. Why not? I have to, brother. I have to. Uh, Yeah, no, it was a good match. Uh, I I give it like a nine. It um, It was a good match overall. Uh, Moving on, the other. the Raw uh, Women's Championship, you had Becky Lynch versus Mother Boo, Shayna Baszler. Uh, what do you, um, Shayna Baszler actually lost that match. Well, I thought she was actually screwed. Matter of fact, you but should go Becky first. Lynch you guys think about the match over Go ahead. She's going to screw Everybody knows Shayna Baszler should have won that match, but I see where they're going with this. They want to extend it you know, for, for a couple more pay per views. And did probably um, Becky might drop the the title to Shayna Baszler, but I mean Becky had the damn title for a year, so like they just want her to make a year. Then probably like the next pay per view, right? She's probably gonna lose it on the pay uh, after that. That was a good match, uh, physical, just like Charlotte and um, Rhea Ripley. Physical, a lot more submissions. It felt like they they were going to pay. They were going to surprising fast pace. I didn't expect that, but. They went at a surprising good, fast pace, very physical. And, you know, it felt like just part one of a trilogy between these three. Uh, from one, I, I give it a good, I give it a good eight, seven, eight. Mm. I think Baszler losing is going to build her up to be even a stronger foe. So maybe she went it a second or maybe a third time. Who knows? You know, so I think it was a good match. It was a great match. Yeah, I agree. I think it was I think it was a decent match. I, I didn't find anything um, wrong with it, other than the fact that you know the way they was booking Shayna before this match, like with her elimination chamber kind of thing. Um, they were booking her like a monster that she still run through Becky, but um, to have her lose in such a fashion, um, it's not how I would have gone with if I was booking the match. Um, but I do also see where they could go with it, where Shayna becomes more obsessive and more crazy and, you know, more aggressive with her chase for the belt. Um, so I can see it going that way. Uh, I, I like the Charlotte match better than this one. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it, I think it did its, I think it did what it was supposed to do. Yeah, sure. All right, next match, SmackDown Tag Team Titles. You had Morrison representing Morrison and Miz. You had Kofi Kingston representing the New Day. And you had, uh, was it Jimmy? Jimmy. Jimmy. Uso? Or the other one? It was Jimmy representing the Usos. Um, what do you guys, um, uh, Morrison won that match, but what do you guys think about the overall match? Yeah, um, I, I didn't like the finish. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying that a lot, but. <laughs> I didn't like yeah. though. I, I get it was it's unique. It's I, just, it, it, I know they were kind of trying to think outside of the box when it comes to ladder matches, and, and they pulled it off. Um, but I didn't like the finish. But I also give you know just all the props in the world to uh, John and Kofi and Jimmy for just 
taking all of those crazy, you know, bumps with nobody in the audience. I mean, that's, that's just nuts. But um, yeah. I thought it was a good match. I thought it was entertaining. This is something else that would have popped really, really big with a live audience. Uh, major props to those guys to, to, to put it on that show. Yeah, I, I agree. It was, a, it was a good damn match, you know what I'm saying? All the spots they took. Um, Jimmy, I think I'm pretty sure it was Jimmy. I think him uh, taking that ladder when Morrison pulled that ladder, he went straight down. But the cameras were smart enough not to catch catch him falling and crashing and burning like that. Um, they had some good camera angles. I, I like the camera angles that they're using now, based off you know no crowds. I do agree with you with the fact that not having fans does hurt this match to a bit. The finish was something I haven't seen before because you had three, all three partner, all three warriors on that tag team holding the, <laughs> holding the belts at the same time with the ladder of the belts, and then Mayor Morrison just pulling it down. Some call it cheesy. I, that's something I haven't been has been seen before, so it was brand new to me. So I, I like it. It was cool to me. I actually laughed at it <laughs> at the finish. Yes. Um, I I thought this match was one of the matches of the night. Um, on the first night, so um, this was you know, I thought that um, the Usos was gonna win this one, but I guess they want to keep going with Miz and Morrison on this one. But uh, I think it was one of the best matches of the night. It was a good match overall. I didn't like the ending either. It could be a better ending, like somebody going through like a ladder or a chair or some shit like that. But <laughs> it, it could have been. A little better at the end, but it was a good match overall. One of the best I, matches I think of the night. That Morrison did with Kofi, where he uh, walked across the, the oh, yeah, the, the, cool. the ropes and the, the the Spanish fly off the top. That was that was amazing. Probably the biggest, one of the biggest moves I've seen hit in a while. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, next match: RKO versus Edge. Um, Edge. Um, when this match, the first Cowboy match, um, what do you guys think of this match overall? <laughs> it was too damn long, bro. If, if we if we were watching it, was. it right now, it was too damn long. Be, they would still be fighting right now to this day. That's how long this match was. Bro. Like it seemed like this match was going to end. It's, it had exactly. to be at least forty minutes. If memory serves me correct, this felt like the longest last man standing match I've ever seen. I understand the. I missed actually this match in my opinion was the one that everybody wanted to see but hurt the most because the hurt the most because there were no fans. This match overall was the major match that fans was really wanted to go to WrestleMania to see and it hurt the most because we all love Edge. We most of us like I'm, I'm a arc, I'm a I'm a heel at best. I'm, I'm a heart. I want to see him pump the hell out of Randy at Edge, but it didn't happen. But damn, this match was long. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just it's long, and then there's too damn long. Okay, this match was too damn long. It could have been at least 15 minutes shorter. You could have fought outside, maybe. Could have fought, you know, on a private place. Or something. I don't know. It, it just took too damn long, but it was a decent match at least. Yeah, I, I think I think this match didn't hit. Um, I kind of have this love-hate thing with Randy Orton where I, he does all those small things really, really well. 
Like he does all of the looks and the menacing glares and the he you know, he can get a crowd to hate him with the punts and the concertos, but when it comes to his matches, like his matches never deliver like I'm trying to think back to any classic Randy Orton. That right. didn't deliver. I think why well, he had right. one with that Cactus was, Jack. That was awesome. Right. That was one, the only one I can remember. But it, I agree, it, this match went way too long. What was that? Over ticket. Was... Oh yeah, that Over was ticket good. Over ticket was alright too. Um, but yeah, they just tried to tell way too many stories with this match. It was too many stairs, too many like stories being told here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. The, the match was too damn long. I mean, they fought everywhere in the goddamn Columbus <laughs> Center. I, I, I like, where they was going next? Like, <laughs> the fucking highways, some shit like that. It's like they were fighting over the place. Yeah, so it, it was a, it was okay match. It was too damn long. Um, Abby Edge got the win on that one. I actually thought okay, it was going to win that one, but whatever. Moving on. Um, uh, Goldberg versus Braun Strowman, which is one of the funniest matches. <laughs> on the WrestleMania card, uh, Roman Reigns couldn't make the um the match due to his uh, condition uh, with the cancer thing he has. Um, Goldberg loses to um Braun Strowman. Um, it was like ten power slams in the whole damn match. Um, <laughs> Strowman's the Universal Champion. What do you guys yeah, think about that? I just that? think this match didn't have a chance once you know once Roman Reigns dropped out. <laughs> you know, I mean, and you know what match this was going to be. You know, Goldberg has had these matches before uh, without a live crowd to do those. Oh, spear, 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 Jacker. Hey, I forgot where I heard it from, but somebody compared his kind of matches to like when you're playing those video games and you have like five specials stored up, you know, and you just execute exactly. like five <laughs> specials in a row. And, and that's kind of and, and the Brock Lesnar yeah, yeah. not to skip ahead, but kind of like the Brock Lesnar Drew McIntyre match is a little similar. But um, yeah, um, this is a Goldberg match, so <laughs> you're not gonna get anything. Anymore. I mean, well, I mean, I need to figure exactly. out what I mean because my opinion, we already knew anything with Goldberg wasn't gonna be no. If I I spoke to someone about this, if this was longer than ten minutes, it was gonna be a problem. Okay, <laughs> seven minutes is fine. Let Goldberg do his spears. Let Strowman do his power slams, <laughs> and they did that job not to perfection, obviously, because we knew what the hell was going to happen when when Goldberg was being repl- when Reigns was being replaced with Strowman. We knew what Goldberg and Roman was going to do, so what made it any difference that with Strowman it was going to be any different? Goldberg's going to come in and hit his spears. He was going to hit no jackhammer. He's going to hit like five, six spears. Somebody's going to kick out, hit like four or five power slams, and that was going to be it. That's it. That's all you need to know. There ain't nothing more to really talk about. It was what it was. It's seven minutes of Goldberg. It, that, they, they, yeah, it was literally, that was literally the only Exactly. It's the only, the only type of match you can have that type of person. You do what you do best, almost in the sense, like you said, Brock kind of does the same thing, but he... But he puts his people over. Goldberg, you can't really see that, A, because of his age, B, because of his limited what he can do. You know what I'm saying? So he, why not do, do what he does best? Let me hit him with a couple of spears. He's going to miss a spear. He's going to get hit with a couple of power slams, and that's it. Don't put the title on Goldberg no more. 
leave him to a, a attraction by himself. Don't give him no more Universal Championship hell. Don't give him no IC title. Don't don't give him no more titles. That is it. Let him smash mouth. Let him spear a couple people. Get a pin. All loss. Get the hell out. No more. Yeah, I agree. Goldberg does not deserve any more titles. I mean, it's it's about to if, if that's the case, then you got to bring Hogan back and give him another title or something like that. But it's um. It, the match was uh, what I thought it was going to be quick. You being quick and, um, and painful for your eyes, but it was quick and painful. <laughs> That's what it was, quick and painful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was what I thought it was going to be. Um, I didn't I didn't think they was going to drop the title to um Strowman. I just thought he was going to just fill in and lose. Right. But I guess they want somebody that's going to be there every damn week, except for Goober. So. It is what it was. Um, moving on, um, you have Brock versus Drew McIntyre. What do you guys um, think about this match? Uh, I think we all actually went into this match that Drew was going to win. Mm, pretty good. You know so what do you guys uh, think overall about this match? It told a very simple, simplistic story. The more suplexes, the more you kick, people kick out of Brock Lesnar's F5 the anger he gets, and he used that anger against him. That is Brock, as good as Brock is, that is, they portrayed, mm-hmm. he portrayed his role perfectly. That is his biggest heel. You get him angry, he cannot control himself. You get him angry, he take him out of this game, and that's exactly what Drew did. Doesn't have to be a long, long, stimmering match. It proved what it needs to be, and it was very successful. Yeah, um, I think I think Drew McIntyre has been growing on me. Um, he has a great move. His his his, uh, his finishing move is really really. really it, it looks it looks really cinematic. He pulls it off really great, and I do really appreciate the stories that Brock Lesnar tells in his matches. Like he's had great matches with CM Punk and and Daniel Bryan. And this match with Drew McIntyre told a really, really great story of using emotion to kind of overcome the odds. Um, it did kind of borrow that kind of same match formula that Goldberg and Braun kind of used with the special, 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 special kind of thing, which is getting a little bit tired for me. But I think they pulled it off a lot better. Yeah, um, I, I always thought that Drew was going to win this match. Uh, it's actually good seeing um, somebody that's, that's going to be there every week with the title, not every other week or every four weeks. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually, uh, like you said, um, over, um, Drew McIntyre is actually growing on me. I'm starting to get to like him a little bit more. I didn't really like him since he came in, in the E a couple of years ago. But, um, yeah, he's growing on me. Yeah, I'm happy for him, too. Happy to see him um, get a chance to win a title and everything. Yeah, all right. Um, next match. That's a damn lie. That's a damn lie. And something's um, wrong with you. I'm going to wait for you to talk about this crap all night. And you sit here and tell a lie to the source of the universe. You're going to spit here and you're going to listen to this truth that we about to see right now. No, go ahead. Let me hear you. 
Yeah. You could count Whatever. on Jeff one exactly. time a show to, to exactly. come up with the most. You sitting here speaking all these damn lies, telling the source of the universe okay. all lies. You're going to stop playing and speak this truth. You're going to understand this truth. But you know what, Uber? We're going to let Joe, Jeff go first on this one experience. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm going to let you let you go first. I, I know yeah, I know personally yeah. you've been waiting to speak on this. So you go first on this one. This AJ Styles versus Undertaker Ooh. match was this fake ass deletion match put out of Mark, <laughs> Matt Hardy's ass. It was terrible. I did not like anything about it. I don't know what Undertaker they had. They had, you know, the fucking uh, American badass, uh, and then they had mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the traditional Undertaker that we used to. Mm-hmm. I didn't know which way they were going with it. Um, they, they had all these people. Had, had Galloway and all these people try to beat Undertaker. The people who was actually in the shed, whatever that shit was, they was hiding in the shed that came out. You mean to tell the Undertaker whoop all their asses? I mean, come on, man. And then he was going to bury He was going to bury the Undertaker. And then the Undertaker shut up. Blast, blast, blast for me. The damn fucking I'm like, come on, man. This shit is terrible. Blast I, me. Like a, this is one of them, this is one of them TNA oh, deletion matches that they had. <laughs> I, I'm surprised the that damn Rock and Roll Express didn't show up. Utter disrespect. I mean, it was horrible. It was horrible. No. Was, it was no. better off having this at the performance center. No. It's better off having it in. They no. could have had it. The RKO the Edge had the match. It was, it was too damn long. <sighs> too damn long in the trash. Ooh, you I didn't like this? it at all. Good, what the hell is a going yard match anyway? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just listening to that exhausted me, Jeff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Undertaker is at a stage in his career where you, you can't count on him to have like five star classics in the ring. Um, and I think. This was the best way to use the Undertaker at this stage in his career. I think Undertaker and AJ didn't have much time to kind of build up this feud. AJ was trying his hardest to sell. This guy was, this guy just talked his ass off. You know, he was as cheap and as heelish as, as, as any time I've ever seen him in his career. And I just thought that the story that it kind of the production value was great to me for a WWE match. You compared it to the deletion match. It is a deletion match, but it's a deletion match on steroids. I think they put it, they, 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 the, the production value, like I said, was a lot better. The Druids that came out, the Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson that kind of interfered. Um, they took it to the top of the choke stand off of the roof. So you got a little bit of everything. Um, and, you know, I think AJ Styles, tends to rely on a lot of flips and a lot of things. I think the fact that he pulled off a match with just straight up punches, this is like a brawl. Um, yeah, it spoke big. I think it really, really worked. I think this whole match was a way to make The Undertaker look as good as he can at his age, and I think it worked. Now, the moment I've been waiting for. Okay. you. Are, I told you, you're going to hear this word, bro. You're going to hear this. <laughs> You had to understand, oh, my brother. First off, the music. Oh. Are you kidding me? There is nobody in the history of WWE that with the music, the cinematology. Now, Uber, you're in cinematology, correct? 
you can't tell me that you did not appreciate yeah. the music, the background, everything that was shown in that match. Because it wasn't a match. It was a fight. Okay? A boneyard. You ain't, you ain't, ain't no flips being no boneyard. Ain't no, ain't no phenomenal forearm from the top of a house. No, 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 no. It's a straight up fight. That's exactly what it was. It was a fight between two of the best in the damn world. Now, that man proved right there, I don't care if he's 55, 65, 75 years old, that he can wrestle another 25 years, but we know that ain't going to happen. So, make it seem like it was going to be a fight. Now, if it was in front of that crowd, it would have sucked. But the fact that they did it, God knows where, in the middle of the backyard or something, and, and wherever it was, it was totally genius. It was genius. The cinematology, it was like an Oscar movie. Two men beating the crap out of each other, use the droids or whatever it is called, use Gallows and Anderson. The part was so beautiful. Was the trash talking? You can't have two men talking trash in the middle of the ring in front of seventy five thousand people. It ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna work like that. But the fact that these two men was talking shit to each other the whole damn match, he's like, "Come on, son, come on, son. This is what you wanted, right? This is what you wanted." What you say about my wife now? Yep. Oh. Yes. <laughs> we don't need. What you gonna say about my wife? Need you to man? repeat what Undertaker said. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I am surprised. I am surprised. I, I surprised Michelle. Everybody showed up. I surprised that, she didn't show up. I was waiting Michelle for her to pop up. She was one of those hooded dreams. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. Terrible. I, I, I was expecting her to show up in low blow AJ Styles out of nowhere. So, I mean, sometimes these, these are things that WWE had to pull off horrible. that you would not expect. And the fact that they did pull this off oh, was a God. stroke of genius. But these two, who, who remember, Styles is like in his 40s. He's not like 32, 33 in his 20s doing backflips. He's like 40, he's already 40. So, this is the type of style that they had to do. And it was perfect. The part that made me laugh was when he took Undertaker, went to the car. And bashed his own hand, bashed his own arm with real blood that was not fake. That's legitimate injury. And the first word, he's like, you son of a bitch. Look what you did to me. You see what you did to me? I know. His arm was like, when he chokes no, his like, arm like an ox How are you quick. still standing? <laughs> How are you still standing? No, you're going to take this ass with me, son. And like, d- d- don't bury me. Don't bury me. No, 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 no. You told me you won't take his ass whooping, son. Yeah. It was oh, it was awesome. It was great. Uh, I think that was that was bad for Asian styles. Like even the even the last shot. It was come on, man. That, like, that's what we call it. That I was mean, a G moment. That was really a G good. Moment. That's A plus 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 plus. Okay. Whatever. Dave Meltzer himself can't rate more stars than what I just rated, okay? I don't give a damn, okay? I'm telling you right now. Dave Meltzer. You know, we're bringing this conversation. It's it's okay. We love it. We're going to watch it again. We're going to watch it again. We're going to watch it one more time. You don't understand the genius. I ain't watching that shit again. Not at all. If I rewatch WrestleMania, I'm still over that damn match. And this match also. Genius. Uh, John versus Bray Wyatt. Uh, Bray White won. Um, as we oh call it God. in the wrestling business, this wow, match was Joe. the drizzling wow. shit. Wow! 
Yo, where you find these guys, man? This shit was horrible. This shit was horrible. Johnson actually uh, commented on his match. He said, uh, well, if people really pay attention to the match, there's actually an underlying message that he's he's trying to give the audience. Um, Me actually watching this match, I don't get what message he was actually giving to the people. Uh, other words, that this message is really horrible. I, I take this no, barn no. back before the damn no John Cena and, and, and Bray Wyatt match. No Once again, I'm going to school you. So this, this is why allow me to break it down to you in a very quick way possible. John Cena's biggest heel is the fact that he has never been healed. So why not show him that hustle, loyalty, respect comes a full circle and it comes also the wrong way. When's the last time you saw the SmackDown fist when he premiered? Okay? You ain't seen the SmackDown fist since. The fact that you saw him come out with his old gear and then to his hustle, loyalty, and respect and to his Dr. Thugonomics all roll into one major character that was himself waiting for him to turn heel. Okay? And then the whole NWO thing, stroke of genius, that was more of a shot. It was... <laughs> Yeah, I, I knew I was waiting for that. I know, I know, I know. That's disrespectful. Now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. This ain't about the whole match itself. This is about you and the NWO. Disrespectful. This was really about. See, you can point it out all you want to. <laughs> this is all about. That's no, it's about you and NWO. You can't do that. I know you got That's the Hollywood exactly. Hogan shirts on. You got your, you got your Sting. You got your Wolf of Lice. I know this. We go back. So I know the truth. This is about you and the NWO and the fact that they put John Cena with that black, that black and gold, that black and white shirt on. And he walked out with the NWO music. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Disrespectful. Yeah. He had no reason. Oh, see, this is personal ever. He's wearing the NWO colors. No reason. Rude is rolling in his grave right now. Kurt Hennon is rolling in his grave right now. Macho Man rolling in his grave how, right now. How can you, John how Cena can you had say no that, right. Jeff? Like, literally, everybody joined exactly. the NWO back in the day. I think I joined the NWO back in the day during WCW. Everybody had an NWO. Like, how many wrestlers was on that stable, you know, during its heyday? See how to well, first of all, <laughs> okay, first of all, the, the, the First of all, I admit the MWO had a bad casting of it. You had Wall Street, John and NWO, but it makes sense through that time, but whatever. You know, you had Wall Street with well, Teddy Diaz. Well, but they had a lot of bad... I, I think Buff Bagwell actually boosted his career actually he got with the NWO. You no, know, no nobody liked the match American <laughs> Mel. <laughs> nobody really cared. You know, you know, yeah, Scott Steiner, you know, you had you know, Macho, you had, you know, the Giant, you had Kevin Nash, you had Scott Hall, you had Bishop, you had Six. Who? No, they didn't. Stop it. You know you know who had to have the damn roster? The damn Dozen Doom. The damn Dozen Doom had the whole damn roster. That's what dad. The shark and everybody. See, once again, this is see, see, I told, see no what right. I just did to you. What I just did to you. Disrespect. Proves that everything that what just happened in this match affected you. You know why? Because I just proved to you right now that if you can bring him out of his elements, 
just like the other couple of matches we already talked about. Bring the man out of his element and show him his true form, who he really is as that person, not perceived to be, then you can take advantage, which is what they did that night. What they did in other matches. That's what they showed John. He don't need to. But John Cena's not going... John Cena's yeah, not trying I, to help. Hey, this is... This is I think, I think this match was genius. Like, I think this is basically like the... Myth, the it is. What? It was the miseducation of John Cena. Like, it showed you oh, at every oh, big God. moment of his mm-hmm. career how he made the wrong decision. Like, I can see... I can see Bray Wyatt having these kind of, type of matches with Triple H. Like, how many just stupid and boneheaded mm-hmm. and selfish decisions Triple H made in his career or 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 HBK or you know like these kind of matches to me open up a potentially yep. like a, a new genre within wrestling where it kind of like mm-hmm. a flashback just go down memory lane um and and, and just see mm-hmm. all your flaws and big moments of see you just mad team. about wearing the NWO and he walked he walked out he didn't walk out with the World Heavyweight Championship. He walked out with said. the NWO <laughs> World Championship with the spray paint on. <laughs> this is personal. You take this real personal. Disrespectful. That is personal, damn it. It's disrespectful. Yeah. It had to happen. Told his ass to put on the NWO colors. Wait, so, 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 so Cena ever did turn heel. And he did turn heel and brought back the NWL during his prime. You would you would have an issue with that too? Yeah. Why? Because it's just Cena. Uh, no, not just Cena. I think that for him to put on the the NWL colors that is actually a Hall of Fame name, but you can't do that unless you had everybody else's blessing to do it. But I don't see if you if you was to create your um your own faction. If John Cena was creating his own faction, being in hell, I'd be fine with that. For for you to actually put on the NWO colors, no. It's like that. That's uh, that's already a brand. Okay, that, what if you put on the DX? It's, it's Hall of Fame. It's forever. Like you can't you put that on. That? And who put on Harlem Heat colors? Will you have a problem with that? I would have a problem with that. <laughs> I'm just saying, if he listen, number one brand. Like you have, he has to create his own brand to to get over as a hill. Like you can't put on like the NWO. Hell, you can't even put on the, the, the um Dungeon of Doom name on it. It's already established already. You have to be creative. If he wasn't turn hill to have his own name and actually who, if let's say let's say John Cena came up with the NWO, right? Mm. Let's say he used that name. Who would who would be in his stable? Who he's the whole Hogan, right? Who be the Scott Hall and Kevin Nash? I see your point, but the point was that John Cena worked, was his who own worked with his That's it. <laughs> and he was never shown the correct way until Bray Wyatt showed him that he was his own heel. He didn't need to turn heel because he was his own heel. You said remember Uber, you said at the last episode, John Cena gotta be a big just a complete dick to take away another superstar's or future superstars matches. Memory serves me correct. Well, how many future championships did John Cena take away? Remember the man, well, he went from what, 2005 to 2007 to 2008 without losing a damn championship match. 
Yeah. Yeah, Triple H. You got yeah, else. Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Take over there during that time. That's that's the, that's the PG era. I mean, I, shoot, would you? I, mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing HBK with a title. I mean, how many times they gonna be champion? I want to see AJ Styles with one more time. Yeah, he did. Typical Jericho. Typical Danny Airbag. Over a bunch of people. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, let me have the end of the day. already established. He, he, he just walked out the NWR. It, it just market. takes you off. That's all. It just takes you off. It's yeah. disrespectful. What if he walked out there with, with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Paul Hogan? You'd be pissed. You'd be like, no. <laughs> First of all, they never do that. <laughs> what if he walked out they with They would have to Hogan. apologize for all the things that What if he walked out with the wolf pack? Yeah, never. that's a good question. Would the wolf pack the and the red and black be okay? This is so personal for you. <laughs> Disrespectful. Hit him with the bat. Sting right? his, I, I wish Sting would just come behind him and like Scorpio drop him out of nowhere. Out of nowhere like, yeah. Disrespectful throwing the damn colors. Anyway, <laughs> that's the end of Social Conversations Sports Edition episode. Nine, y'all. Um, sure. I'm going to give them social media where they can find you and everything. Me. Uh, Drew Lavish yeah. underscore, underscore Drew Lavish 32 Instagram. Uh, you can find me, Marcus Wilson, have me on Facebook. More friends, the merrier. Uh, what about go ahead, Uber? on you, brother. Yeah, I was just gonna give a shout out to Sasha Banks. <laughs> I know we didn't do her match, but that's that's my number one. That's, that's my so number one, two, and three. Oh. Oh, I forgot that match. The Bailey yeah. match. Right? I mean, that's nothing to write home about, but I just shout out to Sasha. I love Sasha. Yeah. Um, right. Sorry about no, that, Sasha. But everybody just thanks. Uh, continue to subscribe and watch everything um, you see coming out from Saucy Conversations. Nice. We got content. We got great content coming out from great, great people. Remember to like. Remember to subscribe. Um, you can follow me at 22 Stone Productions. I'm doing some good things, creating some content, videos, doing music videos, all types of stuff on pop culture. Uh, Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on uh, Twitter. And uh, check out the YouTube channel, 22 Stones. We also have a website where I do blogging on stuff. So just check me out. Hit me up and follow. Yes, sir. Um, Shout out to our sponsors, uh, Tokyo Walker, Zodiac Cigars. Um, Um... Go to on my social media page, Instagram, um, at social conversations at um, with a Z at the end. Um, is uh, social conversations with an S at the end. Uh, go on um, by for everybody that bought a t shirt on uh, Teespring, we we thankful for that. Um, uh, continue to spread the word. Um, we got um, our first uh, season logo, second season logo on that. So continue to support, or if you can support um, through Anchor FM. Um, we have a support system. You can just um, support every monthly. It could be a dollar, it could be five dollars, it could be ten dollars. Um, also, we have uh, a PayPal, PayPal.me at Touch Conversations with a S at the end. Um, also, look out for um, future um, episodes. Um, we're going to continue to bring you more content um, as we go through this uh, whole Corona era. I want to thank my brothers Uber and uh. Marcus for being on the show. Uh, there's gonna be more, and um, 
in the near future. Um, also, we got uh, we're on a website with Twenty Two Stone. So yeah, go to Twenty Two Stone. Um, yes, yeah, subscribe to the um, the um, all the um, social media pages, and you guys be working on the website um, pretty soon. I'm gonna give you more social conversation content as well. Um, Please, so yeah, and wash everybody your hands, just stay safe. Um, wash your clothes. Wash, wash your damn hands. And, Spray, um, lights, uh, wash your clothes, all of that, man. Please wear yeah. your gloves, mask when you go outside. Please stay safe. Shout out to the family. Shout out to the soul seeker. Shout out to the originals. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Shout out to all the soul crew. Yeah, all the social alumni. Definitely. All right, peace and love, everybody. Be safe. Um, bringing you good content in the near future. Peace and love, y'all. Yeah.